welcome to the Echo Podcast. Uh, my name is Sunny, and I'm joined with Arsham. Hello. Uh, today, we'll be interviewing the winners of the popular vote from the CSE SOC Personal Project Competition, uh, which is Group Circles, consisting of members Hayes, James, and Vincent. Uh, so to get started, we'll let each of you three give a brief introduction of yourselves, just like what you're studying and how far through you are in your degrees. So we'll start off with Hayes. Uh, I'm Hayes, I'm a second year software engineer. Yep, and um, we'll go on to James. Right, um, I'm also second year software engineer. Like, I start yeah. studying it because I hate start studying it. So yeah, we're both in this. Actually? Yeah, actually. Oh, wait. So you copied Hayes. Yeah, yeah basically. Cat here. What do you mean? And just to finish off, oh, Vincent. Oh, I'm a second year student and I do computer science and commerce. Oh, so close in terms of uh, getting the trend. I must have the trifecta. I thought I was the only one doing software engineering, but nice to see others. So for those of you, for for the listeners who don't know about CSC Sock's personal project competition, could you give an overview of how it works? Are there any specific guidelines you have to uh, follow or any requirements like that? Oh, yeah, so the CSC Sock uh, competition was um, a month-long competition, I think, and CSC Sock just put out a... Uh, prompts to just build whatever you want as long as it was deployed meaning that it, you could visit it on a website and stuff and they would mark it based on a few criteria some of them being uh, the quality of the code um, the creativity of the product that was made and its usability uh, so uh, I think around how many people how, Vincent, how many people and uh, like 10 plus projects, or oh, I don't know if it's 20. There were a lot. Over no, there were a lot. Wow. 15. I think it was 15 as well. 15. 15. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a pretty good turnout. And I guess the rules are pretty lenient, which is nice to hear. Do you guys want to tell us all about your uh, amazing results in that competition? Um. So I guess... <laughs> Um, we just won the people's vote, which is like everyone has three votes and they can vote for three projects that they like. Um, it's separate to the judge's decision. So we didn't win that one, unfortunately. But uh, we managed to, I think there was another project that ended up getting a lot of votes, but we barely managed to beat them out. Uh, tight race. All right. Well, congratulations, if I may say so. Uh, are you guys happy with the results? Is that what you expected, what you wanted, or you think? Could have gone differently. I think, actually, Vincent, what do you think? Uh, well, honestly, I, I didn't go in with um, like any expect like I didn't go in like thinking oh I wanted to win or something. So I, I think I'm pretty happy. Like I, I don't really mind what happens honestly. Yeah. Well, if it's any consolation, I thought it was pretty impressive to get that yeah. award. Like. Yeah, it's like a beast project I did after. I like had a look at it. I was like, damn, I actually might use this for my degree. But anyway. Oh, actually? But yeah, it's like so much easier to like use relative to the like the current handbook. Oh, wait, I feel so good to hear. That, yeah, that's the goal, honestly. <laughs> and speaking of the project, it's called Circles. Do you want to give us like an elevator pitch of what it is for anyone that doesn't already know? 
So Circles is a UNSW degree planner for undergraduate students, uh, currently for software engineering students or comsci students. Uh, pretty much they can explore on a flowchart what courses unlocks other courses because for some courses you need prerequisites and for a first-year student they might not know what prerequisites are required of a course and it just helps them chart out uh, in which direction they want to take their degree in. For example, they could take it in AI or cybersecurity and other stuff. Um, once they've selected all the courses that they will uh, want to do, then uh, we have an algorithm that automatically generates a degree plan for their uh, four-year degree. Wow. Right. And why was it specifically called Circles? Oh, because oh. It, <laughs> our nodes were so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, I was just going to say, so it's for software engineering and comp sci. If you had more time for the project, do you think you would have broadened that scope of who it was intended for? Or no, keep it to CSE students? Um, our long-term plan is actually to like keep expanding it because when we started out, that um, we brainstormed like the framework and the long-term maintainability. So we visited the handbooks of like each degree, all the courses, and we got basically all the criterias, such as exclusion courses, prerequisites, and a lot of things which I can't name off the top of my head right now. Um, and then we built like a data framework based off that. And so adding new courses would be um, pretty simple because we already have the data loaded. But since the handbook is typed by humans and we don't have access to the back end, we'd have to check for mistakes. Um, oh. That's basically the only thing we have to do. But checking for those mistakes can be really difficult because like a typo, like a missing comma can really you know, like throw us off. So we have to look really hard through all the course. But yeah, it's... Wow. Well, I think it's safe to say all that hard work was worth it. All right, yeah. So just um, we'll come we'll come back over to your like design processes about the about the project. Um, but I just wanted to quickly know how much experience did you have like just in programming in general, and also like programming um, like for personal projects specifically in these in these like competition type scenarios. Um, I'll, I'll go first. So. Uh, this is probably my first project outside of, um, I guess, a course. So, yeah, it was my first go at doing something um, like a project by myself or like with these, like James and Hayes. So I don't have that much experience. Yeah, I'd say the same for me as well. Um, I was like watching some YouTube tutorials on JavaScript, like right as we started. And then thought it might be a good idea to like put it into implementation. Yeah, same for me as well. <laughs> uh, I basically learned React like as we were doing the thing. Um, yeah, we didn't have that much experience. So, like, what was the biggest thing you'd built so far in terms of like a uni project for coding? Would we do like one five three one or was, like something bigger? James is building a really big game right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. I took 2511 last term, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd say the game was probably the biggest project that I've done. 
yeah, apart from this, probably uh, my 251 project I'm doing this time, that'll probably be the biggest thing. All right, so you guys said you've never worked on a programming competition together before. Just wondering, how did you guys form your group or decide to work together for the first time? We, we were just, um, we saw the prompt on the Facebook and then uh, we were just in Discord chilling and then we were like, why not enter it? And then we had a few brainstorm sessions and then we finally settled on this one. And um, were you pretty confident that you could go as far as you did when you initially decided to participate? Or was it more for fun? Oh, it was, it was absolutely for fun. <laughs> uh, we we didn't know React at that point. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even know how to get data about prerequisites. Um, so as we went along, we realized like, hey, we could actually uh, make something out of this. And then slowly, our original scope was for every UNSW student. And then we turned it down to like just ComSci and software engineering to get a working product. Right, and how did you like meet each of like how did you meet each other in the in the first place? We knew each other from high school, so yeah. Like, so this is your first time, right? Like delving into a competition. Um, like, did you like consider doing it like last year, or did you want to get like more experience before you started to actually work on a major project? I didn't even see it last yeah, year. Same, so, <laughs> I mean, uh, there was also some hackathons, but at that point in time, I only we only knew C and Python, so. It's not something impressive we could make with a command line interface. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, did you think that the implementation and like the final working product was like more important for your group, or was you more like did you place more emphasis on like getting experience as like a team and like getting experience in terms of like soft programming skills and like collaboration? Um, I think it goes both ways because there are a lot of times where we didn't know something and we had to implement a feature which required us to know something. So like our goal forced us to learn a lot of extracurricular um, knowledge, if that makes sense. Right. So it was, it was like, it was end, end oriented. Like you, you, you like learned by like having that end goal in mind. Yeah. We really also just wanted something to work because for majority of our project, it like all the pieces were still separated. Because we split it on to the back end and front end, and we didn't even connect them until the very end. So we just wanted to make sure it worked, otherwise we'd have nothing to submit. So I'd say like, learning was a big deal, but like getting the goal, getting the thing to actually run is probably, was probably our, our number one priority. Like, did you just have like a disconnected front end and back end for that whole time? Oh yeah, so I was working on the back end. So I wrote the web scraper, and then uh, I was, I was, I just, kept talking to James about what kind of JSON format he wanted to read from uh, so that he could implement it into the front end. And then um, it just it was just like continuous collaboration and positive feedback loop, I guess. Yeah, we split it into different parts because we first figured out what we needed to do, which is like scrape data and then build a front end. And we just assigned like a task to each person and we had to learn it within like a given time frame. And then we had to teach each other at the end of it. And then we had to build it ourselves and then connect our parts. So you guys, you guys joined the project. I'm go going back in time a bit. Just wondering, how did you actually decide on 
uh, building a project planner. How did you decide on circles as a final project? I think um, for, for our project, we wanted to make something that we would use as uni students. I think that was our main goal. So uh, as you know, um, the computer science, like on um, the courses, they're kind of a mess and like, you really need to read through a lot of the handbook to know what courses you take for prerequisites and then how you can get to different courses right in the future. So it was something we struggled with um, in the beginning of our first year. So we thought we could um, implement a version of a degree plan of that would help ease the transition and um, help people I know, plan the courses in a visual way. It was yeah. Right. And uh, is this mainly from your uh, frustration or did you also hear other students disappointed with the handbook for CS students? Uh, I think mainly it was um, our frustration with how the handbook's kind of arranged. Um, I guess I got a pretty good feedback. I guess a lot of people agreed with you from how they voted. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so just on that, um, two follow-up questions. Did you do any like market research or was it just like really informal? Did you just like ask your friends if like they would think that something like circles would be something that they needed? Uh, before we finalized um, choosing this project, we did a few Google searches on you know, subject degree planners or like any other uni degree planners. And most of them was, most, most of them was like, not very visual and it's on the table format and um the drop down list got really extensive and confusing uh others weren't updated and that kind of stuff so uh we realized uh, something that hadn't been done was planning a degree in a visual way which is what we which is um what we decided would make a really good project if we were able to execute it properly uh so for the flow chart, it was, uh, I think James might have gotten inspired by contact tracing. And then for like Wait, what? Yeah, from COVID. <laughs> and then he just thought, oh, a flow chart might look really nice. And then that's when we thought like maybe that could work as well. You guys had a preconception that it'd be quite hard to implement. Do you think that that's a problem with a lot of people who come out of like first year? Um, they learn like a lot, but then they kind of realize that it's it's really hard to make software, which is good. So just with that thought, like, were, were you guys like more motivated to try like get something that was like nice and clean that you'd actually use um, out of this project in the in the final implementation? I think this is actually a really big problem that a lot of CSE people go through. Because when I was in first year, I'd ask um like, oh, what should I do to boost my resume? And everyone would just say, make projects. But like, as Hayes said before, we only knew like C and Python. So the best we could make was like, maybe, I don't know, a Sudoku solver or something. Like there wasn't really much you can make. It's not, it's not a one five one one challenge exercise. That's where it is. But anyway, sorry. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the best we could make was like really basic things like that. Um, I think, yeah, when we first started, we realized like it was really hard. But like we need, it must be doable because obviously like there's a lot of websites which exist, right? And they do, they have like decent front ends and they have good back ends. So it must have been doable. So like we just slowly, I don't know, just kept learning and then it all came together throughout the thing. Yeah, Vincent, do you have anything to add on that? 
something that was um, really nice is working in a group. When you work in a group, um, it doesn't feel as hard of, of a task. So like, cause I don't know, but like if I did this by myself, I reckon I would have stopped like before I even got close to a project finished. Cause when you're working with people, um, when they work, you also feel motivated to work. And then I think it's like a cycle where everyone motivates each other and everyone brings in ideas. And then like, you can, as you see the project advancing and you see like features being implemented, um, yeah, that really gives you motivation to continue. To add on to that, I remember throughout the project, I think oh, at one point Hayes was like, oh, what's going on with the front end? Um, when are we going to implement it? And then at that point, I still knew nothing about the front end. I was still trying to like piece together everything, but I didn't want to let my teammates down. And I think this thing went for like Vincent and Hayes. Like we didn't want to let each other down. We didn't want to be the person which is holding back the project. So we like pushed ourselves really hard to learn our delegated uh, tasks. Right. I think that really segues well into our next like general topic. So how was the workload cut out um, between you three? I know we touched on like how you split the front end from the back end. Um, but yeah, we were just like wanting to know, uh, did you all like program like an equal share or was it more like um you'd specialize based on like areas of like programming that you'd have more experience with oh yeah so i focus on the back end so i wrote a python web scraper that scraped from uh the handbook and went through all the courses and all the degrees and specializations which includes majors and minors and stuff uh once I got onto each page, I would read the HTML and then chuck it into a dictionary and then export it into a JSON file. And if we had more time, then maybe we could have implemented a proper backend. But our backend in quotation marks was more of a JSON file that we passed to the front end. And uh, that's not really good design, but we didn't know any better at the time. And once I passed it to the front end, James would use it in the flowchart. Um, flowchart displayer and i think you can talk more about how he implemented that one as well well james you can talk about the react flow library that you learned from scratch that thing was so doomed because um usually there's a lot of documentation right but for a graph library which is interactive we couldn't find that many um we couldn't find like almost any results and the one result i tried at first it was like complete the library which was broken so I finally found this small library by this uh, Berlin company called uh, React Flow Renderer. Right. And uh, the thing is, there was like no documentation about it. There was, I think, one YouTube video about it on all of YouTube. And it had like 200 views. Um, so we talked a lot with the guy who made the library, like in GitHub issues. Some of the questions we were asking were so bad, but like he responded to us because, yeah. And then um, I think Vincent, yeah. How to handle the, you can talk about what you did. Oh uh, yeah. So, um, uh, I focused on another library called our uh, semantic UI, which was, um, so basically cause, um, our, our project was split. Like if you look at the website, there's the graph component and then there's like the other parts, the visual like UI parts. And then I, I focused on that part. And then I also helped with, um, Hayes with some backend. Right. And as a follow-up question, um, what languages did you guys use? Like just for the whole project, just like list them through. Uh, so there was Python for the scraper. 
uh, JavaScripts with the React framework for the uh, flowchart and the overall website. And I'm pretty sure that's it. I think James used some weird stuff in the Oh yeah, he, he, he tried to use Perl or like Bash to, to prove that it was relevant from his term two course. What? Is that the one taught in 2041, like software construction? Yeah. <laughs> we read our um, generator in Shell and Pell. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty safe to say that some of the frameworks and tools you used aren't really touched on at CSC. But if you were to think of any, were there any courses in particular that did give you tools that you ended up using for circles? I think 1531 was pretty good because that's a course where you have to. Um, integrate like a backend with a frontend. So that was really helpful. I'm doing that right now. So that resonates yeah. with me, the Python and JSON objects. Yeah. Oh, we shout out to Hayden. We interviewed him last week, but yeah, sorry, continue. Shameless plug. Apart from that, yeah, uh, we mostly learned on our own. Yeah, I would say no courses like really like like not courses in specific, but like each course does help a little bit and then it builds up, right? Because um, you learn different skills from each course. For example, like 2511, you do learn like Java, I guess, which kind of helps explain JavaScript when I was learning it. Not really, but it, I guess it builds up. Like I don't think a single course will prepare you for it. Yeah, I agree with Vincent. Um, like 2521, the algorithms one was pretty helpful. And we implemented some of those algorithms, like uh, bread first search and stuff in our logic checking. And yeah. Right. Um, do you think it's fair to say that the courses or all the courses you took mainly taught you how to learn? And did you apply those skills when you were trying to figure out React and other tools? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. The focus on self-learning in a lot of the comp courses helped us, like to help us uh, learn how to read documentation of a language, help us re learn how to read documentation of frameworks and just uh, make us more adaptable to any tool that we use. All right. And um, one more thing from me, there's, there's a new course in town. You may have heard of it called Comp 6080. Uh, front-end development by Hayden. Do you think if you would have done that course beforehand, would that have been significantly more useful to you than others? Yeah, so I have a friend right now who's doing 6080 and um, everything he's doing, he's doing it at like a very structured way that me, James and Vincent all had to learn within like two weeks and like in a very unordered way. So that course would have really helped us also, like, I think they learned React in that course and like CSS, HTML, but mainly React has a really steep learning curve. So I, like a course like that would definitely be really helpful to do. Well, to, um, to add to that, um, yeah, I, uh, I put 6080 for my term one next year. So hopefully, um, yeah, I'm hoping that I'll be able to refine what I've learned from this project in that course. Yeah. Same here, actually. Oh, so actually? nice. Yes. Yeah, same. good to hear. Wait, same. I'll see you guys. <laughs> Wait, actually, everybody... <laughs> wait a second. Wow. I'll carry you in another group project. Alrighty, so I think we'll move on to the next question. Um, I know you've touched on it a lot, but do you guys want to talk a bit more about um, the amount of extracurricular learning you did? 
Um, so like, how much of the project did you like complete? Just based off like your like knowledge from the courses you've taken, or like other programming experience, versus like how much did you, like how much new information did you have to search up to build the site? All right. So I'll say from my experience, uh, honestly, um, doing this project was kind of like learning. It was it was just learning a new language. So not that much for me was taken from other courses other than like your what the basics of how to learn and yeah so not much honestly not much i feel like some of the courses before have like those assignments you know with the subset four like the final subset where it goes really deep and if you try to do the subsets you're forced to like google a lot of things which aren't really touched on in the course which like helped us a lot with learning how to learn um, in the courses that you've taken, have you have you been wanting to push yourselves? And like, when it gets to things like assignments, have you been wanting to do like the last iteration, like the extension type questions to kind of push your knowledge or like get more experience? Oh yeah, um, I know, I know. Me and James have because yeah, uh, we've we've done a lot of courses together, and it, every time we're always asking like, oh, are you going to do extension tasks and stuff, especially during one for one one lab where each lab had their own extension task, like spirals and stuff. That, that was really fun. And just those tasks push you to think outside of the box or like um, also ask for help. And that's also a really important skill to learn. Uh, and I know James is a frequent asker on Stack Overflow. I get so. downvoted all the time. My questions get marked as duplicates. I think it's so good to see that like, you know, um, the extra work you put in in your courses has like really gone back into your programming skills. Um, so, like, did you guys find it satisfying that like you know the hard work had paid off? I feel like for assignments, you really need to, especially for assignments, you really need to push harder, like deeper into the assignment to start learning. Like, I'm not sure how to put this. It's like a lot of the most useful things I've learned in assignments were from pushing that final subset. And a lot of the tiny skills came in really handy when doing our project. So already multiple times you said how much you've reached out to others for help, um, mainly online Stack Overflow. Were these discussions about the technical implementation, were they brief or were they very lengthy conversations? It's hard to tell because looking back, some of the questions we were asking were really we're really bad. <laughs> like, we're asking something like, oh, why is my state changing when I did this in React? And then, like, looking back, it was just really embarrassing. But I guess, like, at the time, from our perspective, at the time we were asking, everything seemed really long. Like, even simple searches like, um, oh, why, why is this happening in this situation? Like, it comes up with a lot of documentation by React themselves. Or like Stack Overflow posts where they have like hundreds of lines of code you have to read through before you can understand. And a lot of the answers are like really complicated as well. I don't think it's very beginner friendly, to be honest. Yeah, I remember each day it was like, what what hurdle do I have to overcome today? And then each night it would be like, all right, I was able to unblock this and this and this. Where like those tasks that were holding us up had been like causing us pain for the past three days. Um, so just as a first follow-up, do you think it's necessary to like have the confidence to ask a question, even though you know that it might not be a good one? Yeah, I think um, you should always ask questions you have, because like, 
honestly, you, you have nothing to lose, right? Like, well, James gets downvoted, but like, who really cares, right? It doesn't really matter. Like, 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 what, what I'm trying to say is like, the worst case is, oh, no one replies to you. The best case is someone helps you see your problem from a new perspective or they give some advice on maybe how to approach it. So you have nothing to lose by asking. Yeah. Um, at first, I really didn't want to ask the question on the GitLab, on the uh, GitHub issues, because like we knew the questions we were asking were really bad. And we even did this thing where we alternated asking questions oh, yeah. by using like, different accounts to ask the question. It's like Smurf accounts or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then we replied to each other and then... <laughs> that, yeah. Like, the question. But, uh, like, I think at first we were really just scared of looking dumb. But then afterwards we were like, when you're stuck on a problem for, let's say, 10 hours or like multiple days, you just, you don't care about how you look. You just ask the question and you just pray the answer. Yeah. Yeah, on top of that, I think people can tell if what you're asking, no matter how convoluted you put it, it's like they can tell if it's a beginner question and they if they can answer it, then they would because it makes their get, GitHub issues look better. I was about to ask you that. Um, what like control flow systems did you... That's, that's a really complicated word. Like did you use like GitLab or some other like um, website to help you... Uh, like work on your code collaboratively or was it like independent and then so uh there was no ci cd or anything like that we all just pushed to master and made sure it worked where we pushed it all right so this one five three one uh yeah branch yeah. and that it, it was oh, i don't think we this. even used branches it, oh, it was just it's just us branches. three oh did you uh, but i remember because james refused to install what the desktop version of github oh, right did- so then every single time he pushes, it would it just wouldn't sync up with ours. And then we spent half an hour like on different versions. So then what he thought was broken was already fixed. So Okay. That is a true story. That is a true story. <laughs> Are you still salty? I'll install it next time, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. We talked a lot throughout the project as well. So um usually you have to use like branches and like issues and stuff, but because we talked a lot throughout the project and we always messaged the chat like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. We had some conflicts, but it wasn't too bad. So you had a month to do the whole project for the competition. Um, did you take up that whole month to build the site and test or was it less time? How did you guys deal with the length you had to work with? Oh, it's basically the whole month. Um, a story, what, ha- what happened was, right, it was meant to finish on a certain date. So we pushed really hard to finish it on that day. And like we worked nonstop throughout the uh, duration. But then like, so at 11, around 11.30, we got it working without any major bugs. But then we saw that it got extended by a week. And we were like, okay, whatever. So we spent that week on trying to improve it, trying to improve the UI, trying to like fix more bugs and such so yeah throughout the whole thing we were just working on it constantly also the the handbook got updated half oh, yeah. project from 2020 to 2021 and then when it did that um they also used a new layout so their entire html was different so i had to start over how big of a setback was that like how much work did you have to redo so the 2020 handbook took me two weeks to get like the scraper took me two weeks to get working 
But then when I redid it for 2021, it took me like less than a week because it was still the same principle, but I was looking for different elements in the page. So, but like the, the worst thing about scraping was like, uh, the handbook couldn't be scraped using a headless scraper anymore. You actually had to uh, have a Chrome driver that loaded up the website so that JavaScript could be filtered in. I mean, JavaScript could be executed to load the page. Otherwise, you just got a default page and you couldn't get anything. Just for our viewers who don't know what web scraping is, do you want to give like a quick overview of what it is, like what it entails? Yeah, sure. So uh, a website has HTML code that describes how the website should look. And so that includes like your headers, your content, your links, and metadata, stuff like that. And pretty much what you do in a web scraper is you load that HTML file and then read through all the code and find out where the content is. Uh, I'm not sure if I've explained this right, but then you just extract it and then use it in your own analysis or use it however you want. But the problem which we faced was, um, I think it was used, uh, or the HTML, the HTML was loaded using JavaScript. So if you loaded the base HTML, it was just a blank page. And then only on a browser would it execute JavaScript to populate the HTML file with all the information that you've got that you needed. So you couldn't just simply get the HTML file. You needed to open up a browser and go to the website, have JavaScript executed, and then get the HTML file, which took a much longer time than usual. It also took a really long time because we kept getting blocked from scraping the website. Because if you access, like, I think websites have, like, protection from people who are, like, trying to, I don't know what it's called, but, like, trying to bring them down. It's for yeah. forbidden. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> Ace kept spamming the CSE server, and then they blocked him. So then he went on his, uh, what? Tiger VNC? What is that? Yeah, ti oh. Tiger VNC, and I still got blocked on that. Yeah, so he got blocked on two accounts. So, so what I had to do was like um, wait between a random number between 25 and 30 seconds to load the next page. Otherwise, they would detect I was a bot. And that, was, that got sad. So overall, it took like 13 hours to scrape everything altogether. Okay, well, dare I ask, were there any other major roadblocks in, in your way? <laughs> yeah, James has a lot of roadblocks. Uh, <laughs> honestly, just... Learning to use that library with zero documentation or like zero guides on the internet was probably the biggest roadblock. I don't know, just learning React in general was the biggest roadblock. That thing's so hard to learn. It actually, it's learning curve is really steep compared to other languages, I feel like. So maybe that's just me. Oh, I would also add that um, um, an issue that we struggled with was um, our initial vision for this project. So um, our nodes, we, we wanted to have nodes that didn't have any intersecting edges or lines between them, right? And then, yeah, so basically our initial vision would have, um, was a lot harder to implement. And then we had to scale it down. Same with um, having all the courses. It's just something that we realized that we couldn't implement in the time given. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, like another problem we faced was regarding the vision was that we didn't know how accurate we wanted our, our web app to be. So so like obviously you want to show prerequisites and stuff, but a lot of courses in UNSW requires you to take a certain degree 
uh, before you're allowed to take a course or um, achieve a number of units before taking a course. And there's a lot of um, logical operators like and and ors and like in many parentheses that make it like very hard for us uh, to deal with on a general scale. So uh, right now our thing could cope with basic prerequisites like, oh, you either take this course or this course. But then um, things like taking two units are uh, taking 12 units out of a list of courses that the website gives us was much harder to implement. And then uh, I think James did a lot of manual fixing when he was making the flowchart. So uh, I think he talked more about that. But it, it was just like a very hard balance between what should we give up and what should we consider. So I think can do like it can do prerequisite checking. It can check how many units required or like a specific, like if it's like 12 units of these courses, it can do that, but it's not a really clean way of doing it, which is why we're discussing like refactoring the backend. Um, it mainly works, but we had to do a lot of manual fixes and there's courses which are like, like if you look into the handbook, right? There's some courses which there's just no way you can like, represented data you just have to be a human and you have to like interpret the thing if that makes sense i mean just by using circles i could only imagine how hard it was to deal with all the uh conditions for every course so props to you guys so within that one month all the work you had to do and even then you cut out certain features like you mentioned just to fit in that one month time frame how did you manage the work for the project with your other timetables and other commitments luckily it was on um, holidays so it wasn't that bad but yeah once time started yeah yeah i would just hop on discord with Hayes, and then we'd work it, like we'd work on it during that like night time and then um we'd have like goals that we'd try to meet or like features that we wanted working before we went to bed and uh, obviously like we didn't finish all of them sometimes but I think um, we set small goals and then slowly um, you just get a product that like kind of works eventually. Yeah, the sort of things really only, especially if you're a beginner, I think this is only doable like if you're on the holidays because if there was like, if we had like three other projects to do for three other courses, there was no way we could have done this with those assignments at the same time. So yeah, it's really good timing that it's holidays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just just a follow-up question. How did you, uh, with all the roadblocks, difficulties, was there anything in particular that kept you motivated to continue to put the amount of effort in that you planned originally? Yeah, so I think after, after spending like a week on it, we didn't want that week to go to waste. So we just kept working on it. <laughs> We're in too and deep. Then, yeah. And then we also wanted to submit to submit a project because we thought uh, perhaps like, we, we spent like a lot of time on it, more time than we thought other people might spend on it. So we just didn't want our investment to go to waste. Yeah. But also something cool, I think that, um, you can see when working on a front-end product is that you can see bits of it coming together and working. Uh, there was a time where we struggled with uh, a drop-down bar, but then, um, yeah, after like a day and then getting it to work, 
like that does motivate you because you're like, oh, um, I'm learning stuff and things are beginning to work. And then the pieces fit together. When we first, when we first um, loaded like the nodes together and they were really messy, but like we could see all the circles with the colors. Well, we got really hyped because, yeah. James just has a good imagination <laughs> and hyped the set. So it was like a combination of having the fire lit behind you and then the reward in front of you that kept you going type of deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll just move on to our final just like area of discussion, which is just about the, um, like, both a retrospective and like looking ahead for your project. Um, I know you touched a lot about um, what you wanted to achieve out of circles. More like specifically, were you a, were you considering um, approaching UNSW and like pitching this idea to them for to have it like implemented on the website or anything like um, you know concrete like that? Oh, um, yeah, we actually talked about this and we were like, oh, do we want this to just be for the competition or do we want it to be an actual thing that other people would use and we'd maintain. So one of the ideas we had was, we really talked a lot about how we could like pitch this to UNSW or like try to get in contact with the UNSW handbook creators or to get some sort of access to the backend because a lot of our roadblocks could be fixed simply by just fixing like a typo in the handbook or something like that. Um, but yeah, we, like we were discussing and we thought it would be really cool if this could become bigger Especially since a lot of our friends, like, they message us and they're like, oh, this is actually really helpful. And, yeah, that inspired us to try and take it bigger. But we're not really sure about that yet. I uh, asked a few people around and we were considering joining up with CSE SOC as a project group. Uh, but we didn't know if we would be allowed to. So we'll find out in two weeks' time when they elect the project director and we'll reach out to them and see if we can join. But... Uh, we have been told it's never been done before and also projects is more like to recruit students who want to learn rather than adopting uh, groups that have already been made but they do see the value of a degree planner and it would also allow people to maintain it once we graduate so we're thinking about the future implementations of your project which is uh, very exciting. I mean, I would love to use it if I could in the near future. Um, or how would you distribute your uh, circles to students, like directly through the school, privately? We thought, like, hypothetically, right, if we get approved by the project by CSC and then we rebuild the whole thing, and through CSC SOC, we have access to UNSW, I guess, because I hear that. A lot of UNSW code is like written by CSE SOC. Or um, I guess like it could become a bit more official rather than just circles 360.github.io. It could become like it'll have a, a better URL, which could make it a lot more accessible. Right. And also now talking about the benefits to you guys, uh, is the benefit of having this project on your CVs, a big deal. Like, you want recruiters to know that you've put this much effort into this, and I think it'll give you a big leg up in your job hunt. Well, um, I don't know. I haven't submitted my CV to 
anyone. So I wouldn't know if this works. But um, no, I do hope um, they can see that. Oh, well, at least this guy has some interest in coding and um, he does try do things by himself. But I think um, most importantly, it's just um, it's what what I've learned from this is just uh how to approach a project rather than like the cv thing for me is an added bonus rather than something that uh, i was aiming for i think it looks really good on the cv because i'm not like i'm not a recruiter or anything but i guess it would show that it would show the potential recruiters that like you spend effort and stuff in your spare time and if they like go on your github or they go on the link and they think wow this looks pretty good then like that's a huge plus yeah i i also think that like because our thing's deployed, it might give us an advantage over other candidates. Because on a CV, like every, anyone can write any project that they could have done or like started, but they could like provide a link and they could see that we actually saw it to fruition. Definitely. Yeah. And in, in its current state, do you think you'd be happy for people to see that this is what you've worked on, or would you prefer to maybe? develop it further before sharing it with recruiters i think right now is a pretty good stage seeing that it's deployed and people have already given positive feedback but we definitely know we can do more like uh a better ui for example like clicking buttons on the sidebar should select it on the flowchart as well but right now that doesn't happen because we ran out of time and also just we could be more inclusive with our degrees so implementing other degrees as well would be better. Yeah, I think um, what we have right now is pretty good for, at least it shows our idea, right? It, it does need some refinement, but it does work as intended or mostly. And I think it's just a, um, yeah, it's a good prototype, I guess, kind of for people to see. Awesome. Very humble answers, might I add. <laughs> Uh, moving on, um, as programmers, like when you work on these projects, do you think like you should be focusing on perfecting your current skill set that you have, or um, should it be more about developing new skills and learning new branches within your programming knowledge? Uh, um, we actually searched this up, uh, and we read something, an article which was like, you should take the plus one approach which is basically you have a certain skill set, right? And then you do a project, but that project requires one additional thing that you need to learn. So for me, um, I guess my skill set was just like the one additional thing I had to learn was React. So yeah, it's like you have like you have three languages and you do a project which requires four. So you, it's like a plus one learning method, kind of. I would say um, you should, I guess the most important thing is you should learn how to learn, I guess if that makes sense, like, because honestly, there are so many different approaches and different ways to do the same thing in coding. So rather than like focusing on, oh yeah, I should become perfect at this. You should learn, oh, how can I implement other versions or different pathways to achieve the same result is what I would say. I think it's quite a good mentality to deal with. Do you remember what the article was called? Like who wrote it? The like this plus one article. Hayes linked it to me actually. I'm googling it right now. I'm <laughs> trying to find it. Um. Well, yeah, that that'd be good if you could find that for us. We can link that to the viewers afterwards. 
We're coming to the close of the hour, unfortunately. So with that being said, um, is there any last maybe advice you want to give to our viewers? Hopefully many CSD students will get a lot out of this podcast. Anything that you, any mentality you want people to have, any tools to learn, any way to manage a project or any other tips? Welcome branches. I guess I was going to give advice like I would have wanted to hear when I was like first year. Um, when people say welcome projects, it seems really daunting, but you just have to, you just have to set a goal. Like I want this project, I want to do this project. And then along the way, like push yourself to learn skills. Yeah, you just have to set goals and then just push yourself to like learn skills. I think that's really helpful. I like what James said. It's basically um, you, you, you set yourself something that you want to complete and then you set yourself sub goals in between as you work your way to it. And then eventually you will get to what you want and you would have learned a lot of, from that, I guess. And also by setting goals, like you push yourself to learn. Cause I know for a fact, I would not have tried learning React like to this extent, if I was just like, oh, I'll just try to learn some React, I guess. I probably would have done a few hours and then just called it quits. But because we had like a goal and a deadline to meet, it really pushed all of us to like just learn a lot more than we would have. Uh, I think it was also really helpful that we were in a group and we all had the same mindset and the same goal in mind. And we also like helped each other when we were both stuck, when we were stuck. So definitely trying to apply the learning inside of a competition is a good way to go. Yeah. 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 And then if you win, that's a confidence boost and it's also a bonus, I guess. But, but we didn't win. But we didn't win. $42. We divided per hour, that's like 30 cents an hour. <laughs> yeah, learning's priceless, so. Yeah. True. Uh, it's about the journey. It's character development. Yeah. Well said. Uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll rough it up. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Echo Podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion with the winners of the popular vote from the CSC Society's personal project competition, uh, Group Circles, consisting of James, Vincent, and Hayes. Um, we'll see you all again in the next episode of the Echo Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.